Hey everybody, welcome to No Bones About Wrestling. I'm your host, Asa, and I'm here, as always, with Kay Fabulous. Hey. And this is AEW Weekly, your weekly source for all things All Elite Wrestling. We're going to have some match results with our opinions sprinkled throughout, uh, you know, some predictions sprinkled throughout, some thoughts uh, in there. We're going to have our, our top five rankings, of course. Uh, we're going to have some news for you. And who knows what else. Probably some lame jokes. And uh, and we're going to talk storylines. And we're going to talk storylines as well, yes. Uh so let's get right to it with some match results. AEW Dynamite, November 1st. They were in Louisville, Kentucky. Say it. <laughs> no. Say it. Uh, Louisville? Louisville. Louisville. Yes, very good. Yeah, apparently it's not pronounced Louisville. It's not Louisville. I was told from someone who lives there, it's Louisville. It makes it sound like you have, like, your mouth full of fudge. <laughs> Louisville. Louisville. Okay, moving on. Anyways, so, Dynamite from Louisville. Renee is with MJF. He has his four-on-four match tonight and has no partners. Adam Cole is on via video chat. Roddy and the Kingdom come up. Uh, Roddy asks... If we're pretending MJF's not the devil. And then the devil breaks in on the broadcast. Which would lead us to believe MJF's not the devil. Correct. Unless that was a pre-taped broadcast being played for us. Hmm. Yeah. So who knows? I have a new theory about who the devil might be. Okay. It's like a crazy theory. Okay. Mustafa Ali. Okay. <laughs> because hey. remember he had hey, like, that like that hacker gimmick heck, yeah, for yeah. Okay. in WWE? It just reminded me of it because of the way the, the video feed jumps in and jumps out. Like the, the little staticky fuzz that happens pre and post devil You think image. they're going to do another thing like that and bring him into AEW that way? I don't know. I think they're going to bring him into AEW eventually, and so I, I'll be shocked. I, I can't I can't believe they haven't already. Yeah, that's how I feel about Dolph Ziggler. Say so what? That's how I feel about Dolph Ziggler. I can't believe they haven't already. Just to, even just to teach other people how to sell. I'm sure he'll he'll end up there. Yeah, he he needs to be there. They they could use his yeah. his expertise. They really could. Mm-hmm. Plus, his brother's there. Yeah. Um. But they, they really could use Dolph. Dolph Ziggler and Mustafa Ali, for sure, yeah. I would say that. Um, and, of course, some people can go, but I have my opinions on that. But I'm not going to talk about who needs to be fired on, on the air. I don't, I'm not going to say anybody should lose their job, but uh, I have my own opinions on that. Um... So, yeah, the devil breaks in on the broadcast, and if you want to hear what we have to say about who we think may be the AEW devil, listen to last week's show. We had a a discussion. Uh, that was our question of the week to end the show. Uh, who is the AEW devil? And we talked about it uh, last week. 
Up next, the AEW International title match. Champion Orange Cassidy defending against Claudio Castagnoli, accompanied by Wheeler Utah. FTW champion Hook comes down. He and Utah get kicked out of ringside. Uh, Claudio hits a delayed one-armed vertical suplex, showing off his amazing strength. Uh, Claudio countered an around-the-world DDT into a big swing and then put Orange Cassidy in the sharpshooter. Uh, Claudio put Orange Cassidy in a sleeper hold and did a big swing for a couple seconds. That was shockingly dangerous. Uh, Orange Cassidy hit the orange punch, then hit beach break. And Orange Cassidy hits a Hurricane Rana into a pin for the win. This was a very good match. Uh, four bones out of five, I give it. Can I tell you my favorite part? What? So, Claudio military pressed Cassidy and then threw him into the barricade, and that was my favorite part. Yeah, yeah that was impressive. It was very impressive. It was a very good match. Uh, they're... they're Broadly different styles played well together. It's so surprising when that happens, you know? When, like, two styles that you think, like, wouldn't go together at all end up meshing so well. Mm-hmm. They really Love did. Uh, John Moxley's music hits, and he gets in the ring. Uh, Cassidy gets in uh, and gets his ass beat by John Moxley. Up next, uh, we see MJF. He knocks on Kenny Omega's dressing room door. Chris Jericho answers. MJF asks, is Kenny in there? Jericho slams the door in his face. MJF says, asshole. And Wardlow comes running up, chokes MJF against the wall, and tells him, you took everything from me. I'm going to take everything from you when you least expect it. So that was scary for MJF. Mm-hmm. Uh, around the corner are the acclaimed and daddy ass. Max Caster implores MJF to team with them, but MJF just walks away. Anthony Bowen says, Damn it, Max, we hid back here for nothing. Because <laughs> they really were hiding and kind of popped out. So this uh, with Wardlow, what do you think... Uh, you took everything from me. I'm going to take everything from you when you least expect it. What do you think's going on there? When... I have no idea what he's talking about. Like, they had something so long ago that it's, like, forgotten at this point. Like, I mean, he didn't cost Wardlow his belt at any point. So what did he take from him? I mean, he kind of took his freedom because he was, like, a dictator. It was almost like a, like a emotionally abusive relationship, uh, but a boss-employee relationship uh, instead of a romantic one. Yeah, like Fifty Shades of Grey. What? I haven't read that, so I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Your eyebrow wiggle says it all. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming that that's what they're referring to. Like, he prevented uh, Wardlow from having an official AEW contract for a while. But that's not taking everything from him. It didn't make any sense to me. Yeah, the, you took everything from me. I'm not sure what the what the what that's like, in what's reference to. About? Um, but he's going to take everything from him. So I mm-hmm. guess 
whenever, and he says when you least expect it, so I mean, JF it, has got to watch his back. It made for a very dramatic scene. Oh, yeah. So that was, it was nice. great. And Wardlow yeah. did a great job. He, he did a great job. It just didn't, it scared me. It didn't make sense. It scared me. Yeah. Shit. And MJF can just like act and sell the shit out of everything, you know? Like He's pretty good. He's so good at looking terrified, which we don't get to see from him very often. Right. You know? No, he's he's good. He's good at everything. Yes. Um yeah, it's nice seeing these little comedic skits and getting to see different sides of the Getting to see different sides of the characters that we we don't normally see, you mm-hmm. know, getting to see Jericho slamming the door in his face, getting to see the acclaimed hiding <laughs> and pop out from behind the corner, getting to see MJF worried about finding partners, you yeah. know, you don't see MJF sweating a lot, you mm-hmm. know, and here he is sweating about finding partners, you know, yeah. it's it's good to, to, to round out these characters some, it was a, it was a nice segment. Really yeah. was. Uh, up next, John Moxley gently pushes some crates on wheels <laughs> to display his frustration. I mean, really, he just very, <laughs> very gently. He didn't. He didn't shove the hell out of them or anything. Yeah. Just very gently push these crates on wheels. <laughs> they wrote... just just went rolling. Just barely went rolling. I wrote down the exact same thing. Moxley gently pushes boxes. Yeah. Uh, he's upset he lost to Ray Phoenix. He's upset he lost the international title to Ray Phoenix. And then Orange won the international title from Phoenix. Uh, Moxley says he's going to beat Orange with his bare hands at full gear. So I think we have a, another match for Full Gear. Full Gear is looking like a stacked fucking pay-per-view. Yep. Orange Cassidy versus Moxley now added onto the card. MJF versus Jay White. Uh, what else is on there? Tony versus Sheeta. Tony versus Sheeta. The uh, trios match with Sting, Sting, Darby, Adam Copeland mm-hmm. versus Christian, Nick Wayne, and uh, Luchasaurus. Mm-hmm some matches on there that's yeah. gonna be a good pay-per-view some good variety of matches mm-hmm. too you know it's nice uh up next we had the ring of honor world six-man title match the champions uh the elite hangman page and the young bucks taking on the mogul embassy brian cage and the gates of agony uh bishop khan and toa leona Right. Uh, those are the gates of agony, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Swerve Strickland and Prince Nana show up, of course. Hangman Page chases them um, because of, you know, what happened with uh, with them showing up at his house mm-hmm. last week. Hangman Page chases them to the back, so this becomes a, a three-on-two match. And the Mogul Embassy destroy Nick Jackson and win the titles. And so we have brand new Ring of Honor World Six-Man Tag Team Champions. Can Uh, I complain about this match briefly? Well, let me rate it real quick. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So this match, it was was, was pretty good. Uh, Gave it three and a half bones out of five. Uh, What do you have to complain about? So 
I thought the match was too one-sided in favor of the elite. Oh, I agree. Up until up until Adam Page leaving, it was like a slugfest one way all on Bishop Khan primarily from the Young Bucks. And like, I mean, he was selling the crap out of everything for them, but it was just not believable, you know? And I mean, Yeah, no, I agree. I'm I'm really glad that they ended it the way they ended it and they got their belts back because I think they deserve them way more than the elite. Um, but I just don't... I don't see the point of, like, burying your about-to-be-champion like yeah, that. Yeah, I don't know it's why odd. they did so much selling... For the young bucks, I mean, these guys, the Gates of Agony, and Brian Cage, for that matter, are human monsters. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it shouldn't have been, you know, it shouldn't have been how are Brian Cage and the Gates of Agony going to beat the champions. It should have been how in the world are the champions possibly going to keep the belts. Mm-hmm. And then they And go. they're not. Yeah. That should have been how it played out, mm. and and it wasn't. And and like you said, they did way too much selling for, for Hangman Page and the Young Bucks. Yeah, because, I mean, you spend the whole match making this team look weak, and then you give them the belts only because one of your teammates ran to the back. You know, it's just, it's an odd way to crown new champions. Well, they're heels, you know. Yeah. They're heels. Um... Hangman and Swerve are separated by security backstage. And uh, back in the ring, Matt Jackson is pissed, slamming a steel chair against the ring posts. Uh, Pissed, I guess, not only that they lost the belts, but I think just pissed about the whole thing. Pissed that Swerve Strickland is stalking their friend, too, you know? Oh, I took it as a pissed that their third man left them. Oh, really? Oh. I mean, that's why they lost the belts, essentially, is what I think we were supposed to believe. Well, uh, yeah. Oh. Well, I took it I took it a different way. Hmm. I guess we'll find out on uh, Dynamite this week. Yeah. Maybe we, we'll find out. Oh, that's or interesting. We took that history. different ways, yeah. yeah. Uh, more of MJF, uh, MJF's search for partners. MJF is outside Samoa Joe's locker room, but can't bring himself to knock on the door. Uh, then he is outside Darby Allen's locker room. He takes off the Darby Allen sign and writes emo bitch on it and says loser. Uh, he turns around and the acclaimed and daddy ass are there. Max Caster has a sign that reads, MJF, pick us. <laughs> MJF walks away. I'm sorry. I, M- I love everything about this. Yeah, MJF walks away. Anthony Bowen says, damn it, Max. Oh. Yeah, Max Caster's just smiling from ear to ear, holding a sign that reads, MJF, pick us. <laughs> Uh, Adam Copeland comes to the ring. 
uh, talks up Darby Allen and uh, how much he means to AEW. And Christian comes out, the TNT champion, uh, comes out with Luchasaurus and Nick Wayne, his family, and says he'll retire Sting at full gear. He's going to retire him, you know, four months ahead of time. And says he'll put Adam Copeland in a wheelchair. He says, you know, he knows about uh, Adam's uh, fused neck. Uh, he, of course, had spinal fusion surgery in his neck several years ago. And he says he's going to snap his neck and put him in a wheelchair. Uh, and then the, the three men, they storm the ring. They beat up Copeland, uh, Sting, and Darby Allen come out to help. And they chase off the heels, and Adam Copeland officially accepts their offer of partnership at full gear. And so we have that trios match made. Copeland, Sting, and Darby Allen versus Christian, Luchasaurus, and Nick Wayne. Should be a very interesting matchup. Mm -hmm. Very interested to see how that one's going to go. I have a quote. Do you want to hear my quote? Okay. So Adam Copeland spears Christian and then picks up the mic and says, you want to snap my neck? I'm going to beat your ass. And then he accepted. Sounds like a tough guy. Yeah, tough guy. I'm okay. excited for for that match. It's going to be good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's got a lot of heat behind it. Mm-hmm. I mean, just a lot. A ton just of heat. It's like months of buildup. Yeah. To this, you know? Yeah, that's how you do it. There, you know, as we're going to see as we talk through Dynamite and Collision, AEW gets a lot of crap for having no stories, and I feel like they're really putting in the effort yeah. now. Yeah. They, and, they have and, some and, stories and, and going for sure. You know? Yeah, I agree. I agree. When, when they are putting in the effort, they're doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. But still, most of the time, they don't put in the effort to do stories. Yeah. But it's nice to see them putting in some effort, yeah. Like with this feud, like with MJF, everybody, they, they, you know, they've got several stories with MJF. Wardlow coming after him, mm -hmm. Bullet Club Gold after him, Samoa Joe after him. Plus the whole Adam Roderick Strong kingdom. Exactly. That, that whole deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and what does that mean for MJF? Yeah, so quite a lot going on, quite a lot of stories going on centered around MJF, yeah. Mm -hmm. And very interesting ones at that, yeah. Uh, up next, Daddy Magic and Cool Hand Ange versus Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega. Uh, several tandem moves hit by... The Golden Jets, that is the name of Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega's tag team. Uh, Will you explain why the Jets? So the, they're both from Winnipeg, Manitoba, uh, Canada. And uh, the hockey team there, the NHL team there, is the Winnipeg Jets. So they're the Golden Jets. So there you go. Uh, Jake Hager tried to interfere, but Omega hit him with a V-trigger and a flipping attack to the outside took Hager out of the commission. Chris Jericho pinned Cool Hand Ange after a Judas effect. Uh, this was a pretty good match, watching Jericho and Omega just uh, beat up Magic and Cool Hand Ange. 
four bones out of five. Good action here. I thought Jericho looked great in this Jericho match. did look fantastic. Like, the best I've seen him look in, like, a year. He looked fantastic. Yeah. yeah he looked like a, a new man. He had some some zip in his step. Yes, he did. He, he hit... He looked like Chris Jericho of, like, 2000. I mean, the the he was hitting... The, the speed with mm-hmm. which he was hitting his moves. Yeah. The accuracy with which he was hitting his spots. He looked like a, a man of 20 years ago. He really mm-hmm. did. It was it was amazing. Yeah. It was amazing. He, I don't know, just teaming up with, you know, they say, uh, you know, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. That's uh mm-hmm. that's what happens when you team up with one of the best in the world in Kenny Omega. Yeah, I was gonna ask if that's what you what you attribute it, attribute it to. Yeah, I mean. Uh, after the match, Don Callis grabs a mic, challenges Jericho and Omega to a street fight in two weeks in Ontario, California, and calls them dummies. And uh, Callis wants. Uh, his three men to take on Jericho and Omega. And Omega says that Kota Ibushi will join them. So we'll have uh, Jericho, Omega, and Kota Ibushi versus, who would it be? Powerhouse Hobbs, Kanosuke Takeshita, Kyle, Kyle Fletcher. Yeah. But. What? Are you going to say who else is coming out? What? Jericho brings out Big Show, and he's going to be their fourth guy. Oh, is it four on four? I think it's four on four, because that's when Jericho brings out his giant to take care of Hobbs, you know? So, I think it's going to be the four of them. Is it? Did I leave that out of my notes? I think so. And I'm assuming that the fourth person for the other team is going to be Sammy. He's still recovering from a concussion, so I don't know... If he's going to be cleared, but... Well, it's, it's not street. one, it's not Big Show, it's Paul White. Oh, I'm sorry, Paul White. I wrote down Big Show. And two, are you sure this is the same match? Is it a street fight? Big Show's going to be in a street fight with Paul Jer- White. I'm sorry, Paul White is going to be in a street fight with Jericho. So you're sure this is that match? like 90% sure why else did he bring out Paul White during this segment oh I just I guess I just don't remember I, I don't remember that's okay all right <laughs> <laughs> yeah because it's gonna be his first time back in the ring I will take your word for or it. on the street I guess if it's a street fight I will take your word for it uh, yeah, if I'm wrong, I apologize, but that's what uh, that's what I thought was happening. In the dressing room, the Young Bucks confront Kenny Omega about the Elite not having each other's backs. Uh, the Bucks also confront Omega about Jericho being there. Omega explains that he's aligned against Callus too. And the Young Bucks then, you know, they say, you know, you know, make sure to clean up when you leave. And then they leave the dressing room area. 
Are you looking up what's up with the... Yeah, I'm correct. Paul White match? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's joining the three of them for the street fight. So I just left it out of my notes. Yes, you so, did. So, sorry about that. Uh, so it's going to be Jericho, Omega, Kota Ibushi, and Paul White. And that's a team. <laughs> mm-hmm. Versus Powerhouse Hobbs, Kyle Fletcher... Kanosuke Takeshita and and question mark and question maybe, mark maybe maybe Sammy Guevara if he is cleared by then okay I can't imagine Don Callis is fighting no, no. yeah maybe he's gonna bring out a new family member you know if Sammy's not cleared we shall see. I don't know how I didn't write that. I don't know how I didn't write that down. Anyways, let's move on. Uh, AEW Women's World Title Match: uh, The Champion Hikaru Shida defending against Willow Nightingale. Uh, Hikaru Shida hit the katana knee strike for the pin and the win. Three and a half bones out of five. Pretty good match. Pretty entertaining. It was nice to see Willow get a shot at mm-hmm. the belt, but. Sheeta is just running through everyone on this current title reign, uh, taking down all comers. After the match, Tony Storm comes out with her butler, Luther. Uh, Hikaru Sheeta takes out Luther, uh, then hits a knee strike on Tony Storm and chases her to the back. The lights go out. They come back on, and Julia Hart is in the ring with Willow. Sky Blue comes in and spits blue stuff at Julia Hart. Julia Hart is shocked. Sky Blue walks away casually. What a fucking waste of time. What a stupid thing that happened after this match. If you didn't see it, it came off so dumb and just... (laughs) Careless and lazy and stupid. That's 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 all I can say about it. Just fucking stupid. Uh, it it wasn't explained what this blue stuff was. The blue stuff didn't particularly look good. Julia Hart's reaction wasn't you know really what it should have been. It was like almost comical. It was almost comical. Uh, Sky Blue, her reaction afterwards wasn't what it should have been. Was yeah. she victorious? Was she proud of what she, she she did? Was she, you know, in control of what she did? Was she not? None of these questions were answered. And this she's... meant this meant nothing. And she's still like. Dark blue, as we've been referring to her, you know? Yeah, this meant nothing. Yeah. Like, it didn't change her character at all. Like, Willow's back to normal Willow. But Sky Blue is not back to normal Sky Blue now. Yeah. Even after spitting out the blue stuff. Yeah. Which I thought, like, on Collision we'd see normal Sky Blue. Because that would make sense. Like, maybe this is her expelling whatever 
crap Julia Hart put in her with her black mist, you know, now she's like regurgitating it back up as blue mist or something. Yeah. At least that would make sense, you know, somewhat like in a misting world or whatever. But, uh, you know, like she's like purging the the mist from herself onto Julia. Sure. Yeah. But then like going back to normal, but she didn't. She's still depressed sky blue. Yeah. I don't care for it. I don't I don't care for it either. But she still comes in and humps the ropes when she and enters. And winks at the camera. And winks at the camera and But it's like a depressed wink. Yeah. If there is such a thing. <laughs> uh but just uh, this bit did not go off well. Uh, back to the MJF bit. Uh, the acclaimed and daddy ass approach MJF again, and Max says the two conditions of teaming up, because they know MJF is kind of desperate now. He needs partners. Max Caster says the two conditions of teaming up are, one, scissor them, meaning, meaning the acclaimed, and two... Wear what's in a trash bag that he has. Uh, And MJF looks in the trash bag and is disgusted by what's inside. We don't get to see it. The audience doesn't get to see it. But MJF is like, oh, no. That kind of reaction. Uh, MJF turns around after, after this offer and... The fucking oddities are there. Jay Lethal, Jeff Jarrett, Satnam Singh, uh, Karen Jarrett. Sanjay Dutt. Sanjay Dutt. All of them. Uh, and they're all smiling. It's it was creepy. really creepy. Yeah, it was really weird. Very well done. Yeah. And they were, I forget what they said, but... Uh, I don't even think they got a full sentence out before he was like, nope. And, like, turning and leaving. Yeah, but he turned and left and then took a second look at the trash bag. (laughs) So those were his two options uh, at this point. Um, So what would he pick? Uh, Let's see. Uh, Roderick Strong and the Kingdom come up to Renee. They call Adam Cole and ask if he can believe that MJF hasn't asked them to be his partners. Adam Cole tells him to shut the hell up. So Adam Cole stands up to Roderick Strong via cell phone. Yeah, I thought this was like a extreme reaction to a somewhat innocent complaint. Like of all the crap that the Kingdom and, and Roderick Strong have put Adam Cole through, this is what, like, caused him to snap at them? Yeah. Very surprising. Yeah, well, it was a surprising reaction, yeah, yeah. I thought. Uh, it's main event time. Bullet Club Gold. They are ready, and they're taking on MJF, the acclaimed, and Daddy Ass. Yeah! And MJF comes out in uh, pink... And black tights with scissors on them mm-hmm. and a shirt, a pink scissor me. Shirt. A pink it, and black shirt. Mm-hmm. Did it say scissor it me? It said scissor me on it, it and then was covered with scissors. Scissor me and was covered with scissors. 
that's what was in the trash bag. I think his elbow pad said MJF loves the acclaimed. I could be wrong. But he had a acclaimed themed uh, elbow pad. Because we know he all his outfits always have a match specific elbow pad. Mm-hmm. But this was a good match. Everybody brought their working boots. Uh, good back and forth between these two teams. Um, not a lot of silliness, really. Um, the acclaimed, eventually, they hit Scissor Me Timbers. MJF hit a kangaroo kick on Juice Robinson and Colton Gunn. Hit a double kangaroo kick. But Jay White grabs MJF, hits the Blade Runner on MJF for the pin and the win. Jay White picks up a pin on the world champion. Uh, So this was a a good match. Four bones out of five. This was the match of the night. After the match, uh, Jay White was lining up to slam MJF with the world title belt and Max Caster moved MJF out of the way and kind of took a bullet for him and he ended up getting smacked in the head with the world title did Max Caster. Uh, Caster then tried to scissor MJF by pitifully sticking his two fingers in the air. Uh, MJF denied it. Billy Gunn pulled MJF aside and said, after what he just did, you're going to fucking scissor him. <laughs> and it was it was not muted by the cable company. Which they muted like every other curse word the whole night. Yeah. Which is weird because they didn't used to do that at all. Right. Except for the F word. But, yeah, uh, tonight they edited everything except the F word. Billy Gunn, he's he's having a lot of fun with with the, all this. You can tell. Oh God, this, he seems so happy. This career renaissance of yeah. of his, yeah, he's having a great time. Uh, there's then a four way scissoring. Uh, then Max on his knees grabs Max's front, gra- um, grabs MJF's front, and won't let go. Uh, eventually, he does. And the show ends with uh, the faces celebrating. He's like hugging MJF's waist. He was hugging his I'm waist. Just, I'm just clarifying because you said grabbing his front, which <laughs> sounds way different than hugging his waist. Well, well, you know. It <laughs> was, uh, was a fun episode of Dynamite. I really enjoyed it. It was. I, I, it, it was, was a very of, fun episode of Dynamite. It's one of my favorites, I think, you know. It was a very good episode. Uh, the wrestling was, was good. Um, and it was funny. It was just a funny episode. Yeah. And the wrestling, you know, a couple, couple good matches, Mm -hmm. uh, with the best one being the main event, of course. I mean, that's what you do is it's, it's nice to see AEW finally doing that. Usually everything is so, it's so like crash TV, bam, 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 just one thing after another. And everything is so compartmentalized and kept separate from one another. Mm-hmm. It's nice to see like that MJF story of him trying to find partners played through the whole episode and built up heat for the main event 
all night Mm -hmm. and built up and built up and built up to where by the end of the night, you're ready for the fucking main event. Yeah. You know, you want to see the main event. You got to see the main event. And that's how it's done. And that's how so often AEW doesn't do it. Mm-hmm. And that's how it's supposed to be done. So it's nice to see them finally trying to use story because if we're not here for the story and the characters, you know, then what's the point of all of it? The wrestling. I mean, I love the wrestling, but the story and the characters are what it's all about. For most. Yeah. All right. AEW Collision, November 4th from Wichita, Kansas. There's an, uh, the, the short little promos to start the show. Uh, there's an FTR promo. There's a Ricky Starks and Big Bill, the tag team champions promo. There's a Lance Archer and Jake the Snake, glad to see him back promo. There's a Darby Allen promo. There's a Swerve Strickland and Prince Nana promo. And during the Swerve Strickland promo, A.R. Fox attacks Swerve Strickland. So that was cool to see. And then the, the show intro with the Elton John song plays. And then we see A.R. Fox and Swerve Strickland are fighting down the ramp as the show opening pyro is going off. It's a really chaotic scene. Uh, It's a really cool scene to open this match. Uh, A.R. Fox hit a nice 450 splash on Swerve Strickland. Uh, Swerve hit a pop-up power slam, a move I had not seen out of him before. And eventually, Swerve Strickland hit a stomp for the pin and the win, uh, gave this match four and a half bones out of five. This was the match of the night on Collision, no doubt. Is this your match of the week also? Yes, this was the match of the week. Swerve Strickland and A.R. Fox. Yep. What was your match of the night for Dynamite? Main event. Main event, okay. Uh, A.R. Fox deserves to win a match sometime. Agreed. I can't tell you the last time he won a fucking match. It's been a while. Definitely, like, not a singles match. Yeah, yeah. FTR come out. Uh, Big Bill and Ricky Starks come out. Uh, LFI come out. Lefaxion and Gobernables. Lefaxion and Gobernables and FTR remain in the ring, but Roosh won't shake hands with them. And the House of Black are watching in the seats. And that is all getting ready for the the main event tonight, which is uh, AEW World Tag Team Champions Big Bill and Ricky Starks teaming up with two-thirds of the Ring of Honor World six-man tag champs, the Gates of Agony. They're taking on FTR and Preston Vance and Roosh of Lefection and Gobernables. If that's not confusing enough, I don't know what to tell you. Up next, we're told that uh, there is a Daniel Garcia versus MJF world title match happening this week on Dynamite, November 8th. And there's a brief promo for that. Does Daniel Garcia deserve a world title match? 
No, he does not. And this promo tried really hard to convince you that he does, and it failed. Yeah, what has he done to... Well, like, and, and they're acting like this has been a long time coming, and, like, that there's a story behind it, but there's not. Yeah. Right? Like, it's... No. And it hasn't been a long time coming. No. Like, yeah. I'd say, like, six months ago, he was closer to deserving a title shot than he has been now. Yeah. He's not been doing anything that deserves a world title shot. No. He's not been... He's not been doing much of anything. He's not been doing much of anything. Yeah. He's had some tag matches. Right. He's not been having singles matches. And he's been losing those tag matches. And he's certainly not been winning any singles matches. I can tell you that. Yeah. Because he's not been making our rankings... At all. I don't think he's ever been on our list. No. Either list, the teams or the men. No, he hasn't. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, it's it's weird that they're... Yeah. And you're telling me... That he gets a world title shot. That Swerve is having a claw and scrape to to try and get any title shot and can't get one. And Daniel Garcia gets a world title shot? Yeah. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. It makes me mad for Swerve. Swerve should be... Should probably be the next world champion, I think. I think he definitely should be. I don't know who you put that belt on if you're not going to put it on him. Unless you're going to repeat someone. I I think he deserves it. Yeah. I think he definitely should be. They need to find a way... However it is to make Swerve's uh, and the the Mogul Embassy's story, they got one more to add to MJF. Mm -hmm. They better make it curve around and add it to MJF's, uh, you know, foes he has facing him. Yeah. Because he deserves, Swerve Strickland deserves to be the next world champion. I completely agree. So MJF, uh, we see a reaction from him after that dynamite loss. MJF says that Jay White is a nobody, and it took everyone in Bullet Club Gold to pin him. Uh, tells Jay White at full gear he's going to prove he's better than Jay White, and he knows it. So MJF was pretty hot after the loss. Did not take it well from uh, getting getting pinned by Jay White. Uh, we see Bullet Club Gold, uh, their reaction after the Dynamite match, and they're chanting, Jay pinned MJF, Jay pinned MJF, very childishly. Uh, Jay White brags about pinning MJF in that eight-man tag match. He says he's holding another world title eliminator match on Wednesday, as though he has any right to. Um, So, yeah, who knows with him. Uh, So, Kip Sabian next, and uh, Kip Sabian and the Work Horseman challenge Mark Briscoe to find two partners for a trios match tonight. And up next, we see the Kingdom, accompanied by Roderick Strong, 
and they're fighting James McGregor and Brixton Nash. I wonder who's going to win this one. Uh, Roderick Strong says, Neck health is important, and so are we. The Kingdom win after a spike pile driver in a squash match. Did they say their opponent's names, or did you look it up? They said them. The, oh, announce, okay, the announcer okay. said them, yes. Yeah. Uh, next, we see a recap, a brief recap of the Christian, Nick Wayne, Darby Allen storyline. Uh, there's another story that's actually happening in AEW. Uh, up next, Mark Briscoe is being inter- interviewed. Uh, FTR comes up and says uh, they'll help him out tonight. They'll pull double duty. Briscoe says it's not necessary as he has two others in mind. And Briscoe is getting good reactions on his promos from the crowd you know people love him i love him people love him i'm so excited he's back very charismatic individual mm-hmm. uh, up next we have the murder hawk monster lance archer versus darby allen and lance archer accompanied by jake the snake roberts uh, very uh very early on in the match, Jake the Snake is he's trying to cheat several times and eventually he gets he gets kicked out of the ringside area after stalking Darby uh on the outside with his own skateboard. He's caught. He was gonna beat him with a skateboard. Gets kicked out. Uh Lance Archer choke slams Darby. Nice high choke slam. Archer then picks Darby up, choke slams him out of the ring onto the ring apron. Looked brutal. Uh, Darby breaks out a destroyer off the top rope to pin Archer and get the win. Uh, four bones out of five. Very good match. Although, what I will say about this match. I'll, I'll say it after in a minute. Uh, so four bones out of five, good match. After the match, Jake the Snake brings out the Righteous, yeah, who he is now managing. <laughs> so he has a bit of a, a stable here with Lance Archer and the Righteous. Uh, and uh, the Righteous, they say, uh, Vincent says, revenge is eternal. It's showtime. Can you dig what I'm saying? And then Lance Archer sneaks up behind Darby Allen and takes him and hits him in the black hits him with the blackout and leaves him laying. And so Lance Archer gets a small measure of revenge on Darby Allen after that loss. But I'm very excited to see Lance Archer and the Righteous and Jake the Snake together in a stable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, four guys who are definitely not the norm. Definitely not the normal type of dude. Yeah. Uh, four weirdos, we can say. Well, I'm glad that they're keeping the Righteous on AEW because I was worried that they brought them up from Ring of Honor just to lose to MJF that once, and then they were going to send them back to Ring of Honor, and we weren't going to see them again. So mm-hmm. 
That's exciting. What did you want to say about the match that you were waiting? Because I bet we're going to say the same thing. What I wanted to say about the match is the the the, the outcome. And I, I like Darby Allen. First off, I like Darby Allen. But, you know, you in wrestling we have to suspend disbelief because you know we all know it's it's planned, and that the wrestlers are are. Uh, in cahoots with each other, you know, they're cooperating with each other. That's a better way to say it. <laughs> they're they're cooperating with each other. But man, for to see Lance Archer lose to Darby Allen, and to see Darby Allen do some of the the moves that he did to Lance Archer. You're asking me to suspend my disbelief a little too much, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. I that do. this little little pipsqueak Darby Allen can really beat up this monster of a man, Lance Archer, mm-hmm. who is like how how tall is he? He's like six six or some shit. He's tall. I don't know how tall he is. Uh he looks he looks tall. Um, but I mean, just look at him versus Darby Allen. It's no contest. Mm-hmm. And the same goes goes for Brian Cage. They've had Darby Allen beat Brian Cage before. Mm-hmm. And you're just asking me to suspend disbelief a little too much. And I'll go back to this match because we're talking about this match. And just you know, he takes a choke slam from Lance Archer in the ring. He takes a choke slam outside of the ring. That should be the end of the fucking match. Mm-hmm. He gets choke slammed by this monster of a man onto the ring apron. Archer should have been able to go get him, put him in the ring, give him maybe one more choke slam, and it's over. And and somehow Allen comes back after being choke slammed like that. And I know that's his character. He takes a beating and he comes back. I understand. But the fact that he has this one move on this giant guy and can pin him after that, that's what is suspect. That is the exact problem. Because I was going to say, he can have matches against big men and win and it look believable. Right. Because we saw that with Samoa Joe. But with Samoa Joe, he wore Samoa Joe down over a pretty lengthy match in order to make that win believable. And with this match, it really was like he hits one move. Yeah. And Lance Archer's done. He hit the destroyer, and Lance Archer was done. It was dumb. It was, yeah, I didn't care for it. I didn't care for it. Uh, I wrote down, what a bunch of hooey. Yeah, either Lance Archer should have won this match, or they should have found a better uh, better story to tell mm-hmm. with Darby Allen uh, yeah. winning it. Because uh, I didn't buy it. Um, but... We'll look on the bright side, and this new stable with Lance Archer, the Righteous, and Jake the Snake could could be something very cool. We'll see. They go back and forth with with how much screen time uh, they want to give Lance Archer and Jake the Snake. You know. Well, I think Lance Archer left for a while to wrestle in Japan. Yeah, I think he did. Because he made like a comeback to AEW. Uh, there's an interview with TBS champion Chris Statlander. 
Willow Nightingale and Sky Blue. Uh, Statlander thanked Sky Blue for standing up against Julia Hart on Dynamite and blowing the blue stuff in her face. Uh, Sky Blue says she did it for Willow because she has Nightingale's back. And that's that's about it. That's the gist of the interview. So Sky Blue doesn't care about Chris Statlander is basically the point of the interview. And she does care about Willow Nightingale. Uh, up next, we have the big uh, acclaimed 69-day celebration. You skipped uh, Lexi with Alex Abrahantes. Oh, I'm sorry, I did, I did. Uh, Lexi Nair asks Alex Abrahantes what's next for Penta after he beat El Hijo del Vikingo and Commander in a triple threat match on Rampage. Uh, Swerve Strickland and Prince Nana walk up. Uh, Alex talks about how Swerve violated Hangman's family a couple weeks ago, and nothing is more important to, to Penta than family. And this goes to set up a match for Dynamite with Swerve Strickland versus Penta El Cerro Miedo. Cannot wait for that. I know. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. They're setting up this Dynamite November 8th to be pretty hot. Yeah. Uh, and now we get to the 69-day celebration. Yes, we do. The acclaimed are celebrating the fact that they've been the AEW World Trios champions for 69 days. And they come out to the ring, and there are 69 balloons. I don't mean the number. I mean, like, the number six in a balloon form and the number nine in a balloon form. Uh, there are pink and white balloons everywhere. Uh, eventually, pink and white streamers are shot off, and, and like mm -hmm. AEW always does, they shoot off way more streamers than are needed. The acclaimed, <laughs> the acclaimed and daddy ass are walking around like pink and white mummies. Um, There's um, pinatas, pink pinatas around the outside of the ring. Right, they never get busted. No, they get busted. Do they? Yeah. Oh, okay, excuse me. There's pinatas, apparently, yeah. I missed that. Yeah, they had, like, acclaimed hats. Remember, because I thought condoms came out of them? Oh, yeah, 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 I remember, I remember. <laughs> um, they present Max Caster with a uh, video from MJF, the world champion. And it's a short video, and MJF says that he respects Max Caster... Uh, for what he did for him, taking the, the belt shot on Dynamite, and that he likes the acclaimed. Doesn't love them yet, but he likes the acclaimed. So that that means a lot to Max Caster. And Max Caster, they show him, and he's like ugly crying, know, you know? It's, it's beautiful. It's so yeah, good. It was very good. Um, they then show, on the outside, there is a 69 trophy. Yes, there is. And whatever, whatever, I guess, that's for the acclaimed, I guess. It's a 69 trophy. Um, and they're getting, they're getting it presented to them. And some music hits. 
Yes, it and does. it's one of my favorite performers. One of our favorite performers. One of our favorite performers here at No Bones About Wrestling. And that is Dalton fucking Castle and the boys. And uh, they come out. And Dalton Castle, there's some there's some looks exchange. He he does his whole entrance, of course, mm-hmm. which is the maybe the best entrance in wrestling. Probably the best entrance in it wrestling. Hands down, the best entrance in wrestling. He does his whole entrance, uh, and then exchanges uh, some looks with the acclaimed, and grabs the trophy and smashes it on the floor, which, breaking it. Breaking it. Which leads to an AEW World Trios title match. The the acclaimed and daddy ass defend against Dalton Castle and the boys. Uh, it's a pretty quick match. Uh, Max Caster eventually hits the mic drop for the pin and the win. Uh, gave it three and a half bones out of five. It was a it was a fun match while it lasted. Um. And the 69-day celebration ends with the acclaimed and daddy ass picking up a win and standing victorious in a, in a sea of balloons and uh, the number 69. Yeah. If you are a Dalton Castle, Castle fan, uh, you should check out his Twitter, uh, or his ex, I guess it's called now. His ex. Uh, because they... His Twitter and the AWs, uh, they sh- they ex. show his ex and AW's ex. That sounds like their ex girlfriend or whatever. But anyway, um, they posted a video of Lexi Nair interviewing Dalton Castle after the match, and he at one point he like lays down on the ground lamenting uh, that he didn't expect to be hit in the eye with the pinata during during the match and how he he wants a, a trios title match. Like without pinatas involved, it's it's a good it's a good uh, bit. Mm. I uh, love him. Yeah, I love him. He is a treasure, uh, and he's not just a comedy act. He is actually a a damn good wrestler. Mm-hmm. When he when he puts the comedy aside, he's a very talented wrestler. Even when without putting the comedy aside, he's a very talented wrestler. Like he can comedically wrestle also. And be talented in that way. Yeah. Like when he correct. uses the, yeah. the boys as like lawn darts. Yeah, I mean, that's fun too. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's fun too. That's funny. I'm just saying, when he puts that aside, his his talent can truly come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, up next, we have another trios match Kip Sabian and the Work Horseman versus Mark Briscoe and his two partners. Before that, we have Lexi Nair with Andrade. Do we? Yeah. She's oh. asking him uh, if he wants to give any kind of update from last week when she asked if he, w- if he was considering C.J. Perry's offer of being manager. And Andrade said he's going to say the same thing he said last week, which is that his business is nobody's business but his. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would love to see Andrade uh, Elidolo, you know. Wrestle? Wrestle, yeah. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Because he's good. So why don't they have him wrestle? Why do I have to watch... Uh, who, who the fuck was it? 
James McGregor and Brixton Nash on Collision. Why do I have to watch the Work Horseman? Why can't I see Andrade wrestle? I don't know. It's a good question. Why do they why do they continue to do that? I like the Work Horseman, but I see your point. Those are spots that could be given to four more deserving guys. Like you've got a stacked ass roster. You don't need James McGregor and whoever Brixton and the fucking workhorseman taking up spots when you've got Andrade sitting on the bench. You once spoke of the importance of having jobbers. So you gotta have jobbers sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. And you don't want to job out Andrade. But here's the thing. They need better television ratings. Yeah. So I think the time for jobbers is not now. Mm-hmm. I think the time for putting on good matches is now. Well, not to, so just because we're talking about it, this is in our news, but... Collision's ratings were down last week, mm-hmm. even with the MJF and Omega match. So I don't know that it matters what matches you're putting on to a certain extent. Because you're in that Saturday night spot, it matters what the competition, what you're up against, you know? It matters what college football games yeah, are. Yeah, exactly. But, if you can start doing it well enough, it'll matter what matches you got on. Mm-hmm. Because it used to matter, you know, 20 years ago. You know, Stone Cold and The Rock, that'd get people watching on a Saturday night. Mm-hmm. So there's no reason that AEW can't end up making their own Stone Cold and The Rock. Mm-hmm. No reason they can't do it. So, better storytelling. Uh, and more matches with stars. Get fucking Brixton off my television set. Get James McGregor off my television set. Put put the stars to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do have a lot of injuries right now. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Put the stars to work. Um. Oh, so now the Kip Sabian match, right? Yes. So uh, now we have another trios match: Kip Sabian and the Work Horseman versus Mark Briscoe and his partners, Dustin Rhodes and Keith Lee. That's a pretty uh, wild team, right there. It's weird that Kip Sabian's teaming with the Work Horseman instead of the Butcher and the Blade. Yeah. Well, maybe Kip Sabian has been relaunched again. With the Workhorseman? Maybe. What a crappy relaunch. I mean, I like the Workhorseman, but... I agree. Kip Sabian is, like, the biggest... He's the most... The the most wasted talent. In AEW. In AEW, I agree. Yeah, he's the most underutilized talent. Thank you, that's a better way of saying it, yeah. Yeah. The most underutilized person that they have. Uh, I don't understand it. He should be that fourth pillar and not Jungle Boy. Not Jungle Boy. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. 
I agree. Oh, well. Or at least call them the fifth pillar. Yeah, you can have five pillars. You can have five pillars. Uh, so this one, uh, Mark Briscoe's team wins. It's a squash. Briscoe hits the froggy bow elbow drop on Kip Sabian. Kip Sabian takes the pin. What are they doing? And Mark Briscoe's team gets the win. Like, obviously Mark Briscoe's team was going to win. It's his first match back. Mm -hmm. But Kip Sabian takes the pin? Yeah. When you have Anthony Henry and J.D. Drake as options? Right. I hear you. What is... What? Why? It makes me mad. I, I, I hear you. Like that stupid box he wore on his head for like six months or nine months, however long he wore that box. It is so accurate. You know? Underrated and over it. And he's still, still underrated. Like they obviously knew that he's being underrated because they wrote it on his face. Yeah. For months. And then they made him take the box off and he's still underrated. I agree. Yeah. It's and, upsetting. And and what are they doing? Yeah. What are they doing? What are they doing? I agree. <laughs> uh after the win, Mark Briscoe challenges Jay White to put his world title shot at full gear on the line at uh, on Dynamite on Wednesday. So that's a pretty big challenge there. So meaning we could possibly see MJF Versus Mark Briscoe. What would you rather see? MJF versus Mark Briscoe or MJF versus Jay White? MJF versus Jay White. Yeah, me too. I want to see Mark Briscoe versus Samoa Joe. Why? Why I want Mark Briscoe getting that Ring of Honor television title that he should have gotten in like February or whenever that was. Why would you rather see Jay White than Mark Briscoe? Well, one, I don't want to see MJF against a face um, because I like face MJF. And uh, also we've had like, I don't know, a month and a half of build for this this match. Yeah, I want to see it now. To change it a week beforehand seems stupid. So, yeah, I want to see Jay Briscoe, not Jay Briscoe, Jay White. All yeah, right. that match seems random, and as well as the MJF Daniel Garcia match. You know, like those are just two odd matches to suddenly well, add. Mark to Briscoe versus Jay White. Yeah, and and and, and MJF, MJF versus, versus Daniel Garcia. Because yeah. like we're going into it, obviously we know who's going to win both of those matches. So there's two matches on Dynamite that like clearly. What everyone if the knows world who... title ends up being Daniel Garcia versus Mark uh, uh, Mark Briscoe? That would be, be trash. <laughs> no, it wouldn't be. It would be pretty good. It would be pretty good, but it wouldn't be MJF versus Jay White good. Right. And then what do we what do we spend the last month and a half watching this for? Yeah. All the stories and drama and the taunting and the stealing would, of the belt. It would be funny if neither of them ends up with the belt though. <laughs> <laughs> Who would you give it to? Daniel Garcia or Mark Briscoe? There's only one correct answer. Mark Briscoe. Correct. But I, I'd rather see MJF versus Jay White. 
Yeah, me too. So, I hope they don't mess mess with it. They're not going to do that. Up next, we have uh, Willow Nightingale versus Emmy Sakura. Emmy Sakura, my favorite uh, women's jobber that they have. Uh, Willow hits the sit-out powerbomb for the pin and the win eventually. This is a hard-hitting match, though, as all of Emmy Sakura's matches are. At one point, she just screams. Yeah, that's awesome. She's she's next to Willow and she just screams as loud as she can. Like that's her right offensive in, right move. In her, right in her face. Right in, into Willow's face. <laughs> so good. To where Willow has to cover her ears. Uh, Emmy Sakura, her gimmick is she's a mad, meaning crazy. She's a mad queen. Mm-hmm. And so she'll do, you know, faces of mentally disturbed people. Uh, and uh, mimic faces of mentally disturbed people and and make weird noises and and all sorts of things and she's and she's great at wrestling she is powerful she's stronger than she looks and she's a veteran she's been at it for I believe 20 some years well, she helped train Hikaru Shiba, I believe. I think that's right. Yeah. Um, but she's she's great. She's great to have an AEW. Mm-hmm. Um, but this match, I don't know if I said I gave it, I gave it four bones out of five. Uh, good match. Good match. Uh, up next, Samoa Joe brags about his uh, Ring of Honor World Television Title reign. Says that he's beaten everyone. And up steps Keith Lee, who says that he hasn't beaten everyone. And a match is made for Dynamite on Wednesday. Another Dynamite match. This Dynamite is going to be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've got some interesting matchups. All right. So up next, we got the main event. Uh,. AEW World Tag Team Champions Big Bill and Ricky Starks team up with two-thirds of the Ring of Honor six-man tag team champions, the Gates of Agony, and they're taking on FTR and Preston Vance and Roosh of LFI, La Faction Ingobernables. This is a, it's a pretty good match. It's a pretty good eight-man tag. Um... We get to see Roosh back. Uh, that's probably the highlight of this. It was the mm-hmm. highlight of it for me. I'm I like Roosh. Yeah. Um, uh, got to see how FTR and L- LFI work together, and they work together very well, despite not, uh, despite FTR not shaking. Excuse me. Despite LFI not shaking FTR's hands earlier. They work together very well. Um, and eventually, uh, Roosh pins Bishop Khan after a basement dropkick in the corner. Uh, and so uh, FTR and LFI get the win over Big Bill, Ricky Starks, and the Gates of Agony. And this was a good match. Uh, gave it four bones out of five. Uh, but again, the match of the night 
Um, Swerve and AR Fox. Was Swerve Strickland and AR Fox. Uh, and that was the, the match of the week this week as well. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was an awesome match. Uh, the lights go off, and the House of Black appear and attack FTR. Uh, Claudio Castagnoli and Wheeler Utah run down and make the save. And that's how uh, that's how we end. With Claudio Castagnoli, Wheeler Utah in the ring with FTR. Because LFI, I believe, had left already. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, a lot of a lot of shifting alliances going on here. Almost uh, too much to keep up with. You yeah. know, all these all these uh, teams here. Um, so Big Bill and Ricky Starks and the Mogul Embassy, they don't like anybody. We got that. FTR and LFI can work together, but LFI won't shake FTR's hands. They refuse to shake their hands twice because FTR tried to shake their hands again after this match. And LFI also walked away before FTR was being beat up. The House of Black also don't seem to like anyone, but they especially don't like FTR. And then Claudio Castagnoli and Wheeler Yuta seem to like FTR because they saved them and seem to dislike the House of Black. So that should help you clear up any uh, questions you have about these uh, shifting alliances and who has a grudge with who. Uh, as I said, I know it's hard to keep up with. I'm gonna need a diagram. Yeah, should get good luck. That's that's why <laughs> we have. It's glad I'm glad this is a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so those are our uh, match results. Um, what do you want to go to news? The news. The news. All right. AW News. Winter is coming. It will be December 13th in Arlington, Texas. Very nice, very evil. Dan Housen will make his AEW return next week. Can't wait. I know. It's Can't about wait. time, about time. I'm glad he's all healed up. Uh, the AEW injury situation has been affecting the booking, of course. And we have a quote uh, from Dave Meltzer himself. So, Kay, why don't you let uh, read the quote, please? The injury situation has greatly affected the booking as so many plans are made and have to be changed. And when they are changed, it's start from scratch and develop new plans, especially since Danielson, Cole, and John Moxley were all figured into key things and so much had to be changed, which created a domino effect on all the plans. Uh, AEW is hopeful Danielson will return by the end of the year. He just underwent surgery to repair uh, his orbital bone. Yeah, with injuries, it has to be tough because you have top guys uh, like Danielson, Moxley, C- 
coal all going down. So as as Meltzer was saying, it's like a domino effect where you have these plans that just, you know, go bye-bye uh, because these men are unavailable to you now uh, due to injury. So it has to be frustrating, but uh, there's no way around it. It's part of the business. Uh, it's something that happens, uh, always happens. But it seems to happen in AW at a greater rate than other promotions. Uh, but I think that's because the performers are more, they, they take more risks mm -hmm. than than other promotions. I mean, that's definitely true. Uh, Sammy Guevara has been out with a concussion since Wrestle Dream. He is still not cleared to return. So we wish the best for Sammy Guevara. Definitely miss him. Uh, Ric Flair signed a two-year contract with AEW. Great news for me. Uh, I love him. This, this, uh riled up some some people in the wrestling community um in the internet wrestling community I should say and um oh well <laughs> uh but it's a two year contract and a lot of it is a likeness contract they want to be able to sell Ric Flair shirts uh and they they got his energy drink which is called Woo of course you know such a good name uh so, what do you think it tastes like? Uh, there's no telling. Like, what would you if you had, if you were tasked with developing a Ric Flair flavored item? What what flavor would you go with? I would go with like gin. I was thinking like champagne, like some sort yeah. of alcohol flavor yeah. energy drink. Yeah. Definitely. Which would anyone buy a alcoholic flavored non alcoholic energy drink? Sure. Yeah. Sure. I guess people buy non alcoholic beer. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we'll see if this is more than just a likeness contract. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see if he does play a role on television. Of course, mm -hmm. he was just on with Sting. Mm -hmm. And he said he wants to be around for Sting's, um, you know, his his retirement tour, as it as it were, the next four months. Mm -hmm. So, what role will he play during that time? Will he be on TV? Is that what he meant? Who knows? We'll yeah. see. I hope so. I love Ric Flair. Love seeing him. Uh. So, very cool to see him in AEW. Uh, Dynamite ratings are up, despite the World Series competition. Uh, so, that's good. I mean, they didn't beat the World Series or anything like that. Don't, don't, don't take it that way. But the Dynamite ratings uh, did improve. So, uh, that's nice. And especially improving during the World Series. That's, that's very nice. Uh, so, good. Uh, Dralistico is officially all elite and signed an AEW contract. I tell you, that guy can fucking wrestle. Good. 
Yeah, I'm a little surprised that the match that we saw with Roosh um, from LFI was him and Preston and not him and Drillistico. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing Drillistico more. Paul White is returning to the ring. Uh on the Dynamite Street Fight. So you'll remember, if you listen to our show, uh, Chris Jericho said he had uh, someone larger than Powerhouse Hobbs who he was bringing, and I predicted Paul White, and I was correct. I predicted Goldberg and was wrong. So just, yeah, I told you that was a stupid prediction. (laughs) So just uh, just another prediction... That uh, I got right here on No Bones About Wrestling, so make sure to keep tuning in for those uh, correct guesses. <laughs> uh, AEW All In tickets for 2024 go on sale December 1st, and the, the event will be held August 25th at good old Wembley, Wembley Stadium. Uh, the collision ratings were down despite. The MJF versus Kenny Omega match. So that's that's terrible. Uh, but it goes to show you that, you know, pretty much the collision ratings are going to be affected by whatever college football game is on, what rating it gets, you know. How many people are watching the college football games that are on? I think in a, in a big in a big way, and that takes you know a, a large part of the audience, uh, especially a large part of the desired audience, of AEW, college football does. I think even more than that is the number of adults that instead of staying at home watching wrestling went to Halloween parties. Uh, that as well. Because that was a Saturday before Halloween. Yeah, yeah. October twenty eighth was like the party night. Yeah. yeah. True. Uh, we were watching Collision. Yes, we were. We did a watch along, I think, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. With Last Week in Wrestling, Dylan mm-hmm. at Last Week in Wrestling. That was a fun time. Mm-hmm. All right, now, uh, rankings. Yes? Yep. Top five. It's the AEW top five rankings where every week we bring you the top five in men, women, and teams. Our formula is super secret, super proprietary. And we will never, ever tell you how we do it. So, okay, where are we going first? Men, women, or teams? Teams. Okay. Teams. Uh, number five, making their debut on the list. The Kingdom. Yeah. Got a tag team win on, uh, on, the, on Collision. Number four... Uh, falling two spots from number two, the AEW World Tag Team Champions, Big Bill and Ricky Starks, did not have a tag team match this week, so they fell. 
number three, Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega, the Golden Jets. They got the tag team win over uh, Cool Hand Ange and Daddy Magic on Dynamite. Number two, Brian Cage and the Gates of Agony, the Ring of Honor six-man tag team champions. Number two, and they were unranked last week. And number one, staying number one, uh, the acclaimed and daddy ass, the AEW World Trios champions, after successfully defending their belts against Dalton Castle and the boys on collision. So we've got number one, the acclaimed and daddy ass. Number two, Brian Cage and the Gates of Agony. Number three, Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega. Number four, Big Bill and Ricky Starks. Number five, The Kingdom. Where do you want to go, men or men? All right, number five, Darby Allen. Got that win over Lance Archer on Collision. Mm -hmm. He was unranked last week. Number four, also unranked last week, Swerve Strickland. Uh, Was in the match of the week. Uh, Picked up that win over A.R. Fox. Uh, Number three, also unranked last week, Orange Cassidy, the international champion, got a big win over Claudio Castagnoli on Dynamite. Very good match. Number two, he is the uh, he was number two last week. He is the number one contender for the world title, and uh, actually got a pin uh, in a in an eight man tag team match, but got a pin on the world champion. MJF, uh, Jay White, number two. And number one, staying number one, the AEW World Champion, MJF. So we got number one, MJF, number two, Jay White, number three, Orange Cassidy, number four, Swerve Strickland, number five, Darby Allen. And so the women we'll finish with, last but not least, number five, Chris Statlander, the TBS champion, making her return to the chart. Number four, also making her return to the chart, Emmy Sakura. Number three, falling a spot from number two, Timeless Tony Storm. Uh, Making her return to the chart, number two, Willow Nightingale. And number one, Remaining at number one, the AEW World Women's Champion, Hikaru Shida. So we've got number one, Hikaru Shida. Number two, Willow Nightingale. Number three, Tony Storm. Number four, Emi Sakura. Number five, Chris Statlander. And those are your AEW rankings. It's okay. Mm Mm-hmm. The time has come for the AEW topic of the week. Topic of the week. And the topic of the week this week is props mm-hmm. in wrestling. Yep. How are they used? What do they do for characters? Uh, 
I guess, I guess that. Those things. <laughs> uh, so, it was your idea, so start off. Okay, so, um, how I came up with the idea was, I was thinking about, like, the history of, of wrestling throughout throughout time, and how many wrestlers had, like, iconic props that you just associate with them, like, their action figures even came with them, you know, like, you have Hacksaw Jim Duggan with his 2x4, you have Socko for Mick Foley, um, Brutus the Barber Beefcake with his shears, um, Jake the Snake with his snake, obviously, um, and the list goes on, uh, and, and I feel like wrestling has moved away from that a lot, especially... I thought especially AEW, but then you and I started listing. Oh, we started listing the props, and, and like and over time, we kept having more and more occur to us. So, do you want to run down some of the props see. that are in AEW? Let's see. We can do that together. Yeah, and then we'll talk about kind of what they mean, maybe. Yeah. Well, we got Darby Allen and a skateboard. Mm-hmm. We've got. Uh, do we need to write these down or anything? I think we're good. All right, we got Darby Allen and his skateboard. We've got Roderick Strong and his neck brace. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say the kingdom and the giraffe. The kingdom and the giraffe? Yeah. The kingdom and the giraffe, okay. You got MJF and his ring. MJF and his dynamite diamond ring, yeah, for sure. Uh... Jeff Jarrett and his guitar. Jeff Jarrett and his guitar. Jericho and Floyd. Jericho and Floyd, the baseball bat. Mm-hmm. Sting and his unnamed baseball bat. Mm-hmm. Orange Cassidy's backpack. Mm-hmm. Sanjay Dutt's pencil. Right. Not a lot of women with props. I can't, I can't think of any. No. Tony Storm has been oh, eating slipper. fruit. Oh, I would say her slipper over the fruit. Yeah. Um. Throwing shoes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Emmy Sakura and her crown. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and cape. That's more of a costume than a prop. I guess, I guess so, yeah. Yeah, good call. Although I think you could count Andrade's mask. because he Andrade's have, mask. He, that, that served a role in a story. And he doesn't wear it once in the ring. He just wears it to the ring. So I think that's more of a prop. Mm-hmm. And one, one prop that we used to see that we don't see anymore is Hobbs and his book. Right, the book of Hobbs. That's gone. Yeah. Because that was dumb. That was real dumb. <laughs> um, I think that might be it. No, that can't be it. Dalton Castle and his... Chicken feed. His invisible chicken feed. His invisible chicken feed. Okay. I guess, yeah, that doesn't count. That doesn't count. <laughs> no. Um, do the boys count as props? I think you could make the argument that the boys are props, yes. Yeah. He uses them as objects. He both yeah. steps on them and throws them. But I don't think they should count since they're alive and human. Jake the Snake doesn't have a snake anymore, does he? Nope. Um, 
So I guess what made me think of this is how props are used in AEW and how um, props used in the same way by faces and heels can have such different results in how we view them. How so? So looking at the example of Darby Allen and his skateboard, mm. Darby Allen's a face, and Jeff Jarrett and his guitar, and Jeff Jarrett's a heel. Both of those props serve the same purpose, which is to get them... Girls? No. Oh. Uh, which is to enable them to defeat opponents that they might not otherwise be able to defeat. Right. I mean, Darby Allen uses a skateboard as a weapon in matches sometimes when he needs some extra oomph against his opponents because he's tiny. Mm-hmm. And Jeff Jarrett uses it in like an underhanded heel way, but serving the exact same purpose. Mm-hmm. And so it's just interesting how we view Jeff Jarrett's actions as like deplorable. Uh, and we view Darby Allen's actions as like heroic. heroic. Oh, wasn't that yeah. awesome? Yeah, exactly. He put, he put tacks on the bottom of a skateboard. Isn't that mm-hmm. awesome? Yeah, and then he rode it into someone's back. Yeah. Yeah, it's just uh, odd. Yeah, how how the doing the exact same thing can mean something so different depending on who's who's doing the action. So you think yeah, it has more to do with who's doing the action than it has to do with the prop, the prop itself. itself. Yeah. Is there a prop that you used to see in wrestling that you wish would make a comeback? Like we're seeing bats. I think is the only sort of repeat baseball one. bats. Baseball bats. So we have multiple. Well, Sting bat. really made the baseball bat a popular prop mm-hmm. in in the 90s. Uh, coming down from the rafters and taking out the NWO countless times with, with armed solely with a baseball bat. Mm-hmm. He really made the baseball bat a popular prop. You saw it spring up everywhere after that. Everybody wanted to have a fucking baseball mm-hmm. bat. Um, you still see that now. Um, do you think we're not seeing the variety of props in this, the, I guess the significance of props that we used to because people aren't as gimmicky as they used to be? Props? Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. You've, you've hit the, hit the, hit it right on the nose. Mm-hmm. Uh, because gimmicks... Because things aren't as gimmicky mm-hmm. as they used to be. Because gimmicks are now more, most of the time, are more reality-based. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, you know, Brian Danielson, he's just a guy. Yeah. Claudio Castagnoli, he's just a guy. Uh, he's not an IRS agent or something of the sort. <laughs> right. He's, yeah. not a, he's not a plumber or a fucking... IRS agent or a clown or yeah right they don't have second occupations anymore right or a NASCAR driver yeah. or any anything like that um so so you asked me about props that people used to have that I wish would come back so yes my answer is things that that they would talk to. Uh, 
and what I, what I mean is uh, inanimate objects that the wrestler would give a personality to in their head. Can you give me an example of what you're yeah, talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Mr. Sacco. Mm-hmm. So, which we didn't see him get a real big personality. That's not a good example. Head is a good example. Al Snow uh, was a wrestler in the WWF, and he used to carry around a mannequin head with the phrase, help me, written on its forehead uh, in mirror style. So if it was held up to a mirror, it could be read. And he talked <laughs> to that thing like it was a real person. Mm-hmm. And acted as though it was a real person and didn't want anyone stealing head. And he always wanted more head. Ha ha ha. And th- oh, think yes. And things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he wanted head. Uh, but he gave that a personality of its own. And I think maybe the reason we're not seeing as much of that. And there was a wrestler, I forget his name, but he, he was a big, fat guy. And he used to carry around a teddy bear. And he had he had a psycho gimmick. He was like mm-hmm. a, a mentally, mentally disturbed gimmick. Mm-hmm. And he used to carry around a teddy bear and talk to it. And, like, if you fucked with his teddy bear, he was going to fuck you up. Hmm. Um, I forget his name. Paul Bear talked to the urn, didn't he? Yeah. But what I'm getting at, the the, I think why you why you don't see as much of that anymore is because we're trying to be nicer about mental health. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't see as much of the, cra- the I'm crazy gimmick anymore, mm-hmm. the crazy person gimmick anymore. Yeah. Uh, I think because people are just trying. I I think. Because mm-hmm. the wrestling business has has actually come around and is trying, and that's one of the things that's kind of off limits. Ment- mm-hmm. Mental health, we don't make fun of crazy people mm-hmm. as much anymore. Yeah, and we don't do crazy gimmicks. Mm-hmm. Um, Except for uh, Nikki Cross. Well, right. Like I said, it's just yeah as much. Mm-hmm. Like I said, as much. Yeah. Uh, but that's why we don't see the inanimate objects. Mm-hmm. But I just I always like that uh, when you know when a wrestler you know had that other side of their personality mm-hmm. and 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 an, and an object a prop was used to display that other side of the personality. Mm-hmm. Because it was important what the prop was, like I said, was displaying what their secondary personality was, mm-hmm. what their secret personality was, you know, mm-hmm. their true personality, maybe you call it even. Yeah. Like I said, the guy whose name I can't remember is a teddy bear. He's just a big teddy bear unless you fuck with him and then he's going to beat you up. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, Al Snow, you know, uh, he's just a blank slate, maybe, like this this head. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not as good an example as the as the teddy bear. 
Um, but yeah, those kind of gimmicks, uh, I, I miss that cause I, I always used to like the crazy person gimmicks. Mm-hmm. I always used to love those. That used to be my favorite gimmick in wrestling. And my favorite, first favorite wrestler was Cactus Jack. Mm-hmm. And it was when he was doing, I mean, he was crazy enough to start with, but it was when he was doing a, a gimmick where he was lost on the streets and he had, uh, he had amnesia, didn't he? He had amnesia and he was in Cleveland and he thought he was, uh, someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, the, the crazy gimmick, I, I always, I don't know why, but I always kind of gravitated towards it. And found it interesting. Uh, well, because it's like, not only do they have to battle in the ring, but they got to battle their own brain, mm-hmm. you know, once they get out of the ring, you know? So I just found it interesting in that in that way, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And characters like Luna Vachon, too, you know, who did not have... A, well, she did have props outside of WWF. She, mm-hmm. Things like skulls. Mm-hmm. She would carry skulls around and scream at them. Uh, and carry blood around, and crosses and things like that. Like a jar of blood. Yeah, yeah, shit like that. Like down mm-hmm. in when she was in Florida, in the Florida territory. Uh. Yeah, they did all all sorts of crazy stuff. She mm-hmm. she was became a very satanic character. Mm-hmm. Very satanic character. But that's what Kevin Sullivan did a lot of. And we talk about props. Mm -hmm. The more props, the better. He was doing like a very satanic thing. Where if you're Mm -hmm. just a dude and you come out in red and black tights and you're like, I'm a Satanist. Yeah, shit ain't going to get over. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you've got a a chalice Mm -hmm. and you've got a vial of fake blood and you've got maybe some some horns to wear mm-hmm. and you've got an altar you know what I'm saying these yeah. props it adds up and these props you know not only show uh, you know they show who the character is obviously mm-hmm. um, but they're very helpful in, in wrestling you know because it's an easy way to show quickly who the character is and so one prop, that's the way, you know, you were talking about WWF, mostly. You were talking about WWF when you started, talking about Hacksaw Jim Duggan, mm-hmm. talking about Bruce the Berber Beefcake. You know, people used to have one prop. Mm-hmm. You know, Sergeant Slaughter, that, that whatever it was, a riding crop or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, the thing he smacked in his hand, yeah. you know. Uh Bruce Barber Beefcake, the Shears, Hacksaw Jim Duggan with the, uh, with the two by four, Hulk Hogan, what would it be? I don't know, a weight, probably. Did he get? Did he walk around with a weight? No, I just uh, you know it. You see him a lot of time in the weight room with with weights. Mm -hmm. So I'm just thinking, you know, what what is a a prop, quote unquote, you would associate with Hogan. I don't know. Hogan so, well he didn't walk so. around with a weight, mm-hmm. no. Uh, Jake the Snake with the snake. The Undertaker with the urn. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else from back then? 
who else had props? Papa Shango had a lot of props. You know, he's a voodoo doctor. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had a lot of props. The British Bulldog had a dog, didn't he? British Bulldog came out with, had a living prop, came out with a bulldog named Matilda. Hmm. Uh, and the British Bulldogs, when they were a tag team, they might have come out with two dogs. I'm not sure. I don't remember. You have managers with props, too, like Jim Cornette was his tennis racket. Oh, yeah, managers with props. Like, yeah. if you're a manager, you've got to have, I mean, what they would call it, what it's called in the biz is a gimmick, mm-hmm. you know. It, I mean, not it's. So a gimmick is what's your character, yeah. But also, what, like, what do you have with you? Is your gimmick also? So, like, his tennis racket. His tennis racket is his mm-hmm. gimmick. You know, they say, so if if you're backstage at a show, they say, what's your gimmick? You say, oh, I got a cane. Mm-hmm. Oh, know? I got you, okay. Uh, that guy from ECW with the fucking whistle. Yeah. Oh, uh, God, the whistle. I hate that guy. I love it. It no. adds. No, because yeah, he takes. Fonzie. Anytime you show me these awesome RVD matches, they're just like ruined by whistling happening every like three seconds. I think it adds a lot of noise. I think it adds a lot of uh, anxiety. No, stop interrupting me. It adds a lot of uh, setting. It's the very whistle? much, yeah, yeah. It's very much. It's echoing in these small, small arenas that ECW was in. You know, it's very much like of that time, and uh, you know, you gotta love him, RVD baby. You gotta love his man. So bringing it, bringing it back to AEW, what's your favorite AEW prop? Favorite AEW prop, man. You can have two because I have two. That's tough. You want me to go first? You go first. You're going to want to steal one of mine. So my, my first one is Orange Cassidy and his backpack. Okay, yeah. Um, I just feel like... That was a great what, way. What a yeah. great, great way to get his character across even more, you know? Like, just brilliant. Uh, my second one is Danhausen and his jar of teeth. Because, <laughs> <laughs> um, one, he uses them in the ring... Two, it's just so messed up. Yeah. And three, it's so disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> and I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what mine, I don't know what mine are. Uh, I'll go with the Danhausen jar of teeth. Yeah, I figured that that was going to be what you stole. i go with the Danhausen jar of teeth. Um... I don't know. I'd have to think for a minute. I have to think for a minute. I think one of the best used ones is Sanjay Dutt and his pencil. Really? Because it's become so much a part of his character. Like, I'd say more than half the time he's out there, he, like, uses it in some way. It's not just behind his ear, you know? Like, he's, like, breaking it or throws it all the time. Or if someone takes it from him, it's like a big deal. His pencil, his precious pencil, you know? 
I think I think it's very well used. Huh. Okay. <laughs> you don't agree with that I one. I don't agree with that one. No. Yeah. No, I think it's well used. Like don't how agree. like neurotic his character is, you know. I don't agree with that one. Hmm. Um, no, I'm not sure what my favorite prop is. I'd really have to think for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is interesting how how much these props influence these characters that we watch. You know how much they how much they add to the characters that we watch. And we don't think about it a lot of times, mm-hmm. you know. I think that's what's interesting is, like, they've become such a part of the character that at first, like, I was thinking, like, there aren't very many props in AEW. But then the more we thought about it, the longer and longer our list was getting of, of props with mm-hmm. the, all these different wrestlers. And they become so much of who the wrestler is that you don't identify it as a something separate from them anymore. Right. Yeah. Which is cool. So that's our talk on props. So that's our talk on props. I I could talk I could talk more about them, but uh, I think we're good. <laughs> so uh, when can folks hear from us again? Folks can hear from us again every Sunday. We do AEW Weekly. It comes out uh, at night um, on Sundays. Uh, so every Sunday you can hear from us. Uh, also, we have an event coming up on the 12th. We have a retro watch-along on our YouTube channel. No Bones About Wrestling is our YouTube channel. We are going to watch uh, December 12th, so next Sunday. November. What did I say? December. November 12th. Next Sunday, we are going to watch... Survivor Series 1994. So it's November and we're, you know, we're getting in the Survivor Series mood. Um, I don't expect much out of this year's Survivor Series, but I tell you what, Survivor Series used to be a hell of a show. So we're going to celebrate that fact. And we're going to watch some of the old ones. We're going to watch a couple of them. Uh, So on the 12th, we're watching Survivor Series 1994. It's got Undertaker versus Yokozuna in a casket match. It's got Bret Hart versus Bob Backlund for the world title in a uh, throw-in-the-towel submission match. It has, uh, I think, three Survivor uh, Elimination tag team matches, one of which involves uh, teams mostly consisting of little people. It's Doink and three little people of his versus Jerry Lawler and three little people of his. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's a fun show. It's a sh- it's a pay per view with a great variety of things, and some great characters. I mean, everybody's there: Bret Hart, Bob Backlund, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, the uh, uh, X Pac, um, Owen Hart. Uh, I said Bret Hart, uh, the Undertaker, Yokozuna. I mean, you name them from that era, and and they're on this show. Uh, it's it's really a, a good show. Uh, Lex Luger, Mabel, Jeff Jarrett, uh, 
et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I, you know, they're they're here. British Bulldog. It's it's a it's a fun show. Um, and so that's at one o'clock. That is at one o'clock next Sunday, the twelfth. Uh, it's gonna be me. It's gonna be Kay, and it's gonna be Dylan from last week in wrestling, and it's gonna be a fun time. Mm-hmm. And um, speaking of last week in wrestling, you can catch us on most Wednesdays and on every Saturday uh, for. Dynamite and Collision watch-alongs over on Dylan's channel, Last Week in Wrestling Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any watch-alongs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you can subscribe to us as well, and you should, so you don't miss any episodes. And rate us as well. Five pumpkins, five jack-o'-lanterns, five stars, five dinosaurs. Five turkeys. Carcasses, five turkeys. Whatever it is, uh, give, us, give us the most... Uh, it would really help us out. That's how people find us. Um, and folks, thanks for listening. And as Mick Foley would say, have a nice day. Bye.